say, it feels really nice to be back and recording podcasts again after parental leave. But, you know, even six weeks later, I feel like I have missed a whole world of things in OBGYN. Yeah, me too, especially nine weeks out. But thankfully for us, uh, we can refresh our memory with the OBG project. That's right. The OBG project kind of has their great, great summaries in these bullet point formats online. They've got resident exclusive resources, the core curriculum, um, and they've got a new project in the primary care med project. Um, you can check that out as well, which lets you get up to date with all those primary care guidelines that we got to keep up with too. And even better, if you're a resident, remember that you can get OBG first absolutely free. So if you want to figure out how to do that, go ahead and go onto our website, click on the sidebar, and link to the OBG project. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs. Over coffee. All right. So today we've got a quick espresso episode for you, um, but one that's important because I think that it's, it's hopefully becoming more available, but I still personally haven't seen it. Um, Zoranolone for the treatment of postpartum depression. So, Faye, what exactly are we going to talk about today? Yeah, so our learning objectives today, we're going to discuss the medication Zoranolone. We're going to review its recommendation for postpartum depression and compare it to previous medications um, for postpartum depression. And finally, we'll understand certain considerations for Zoranolone therapy. So the reading to go along with today's episode is going to be the practice advisory from ACOG from August 2023, uh, which is called Zoranolone for the Treatment of Postpartum Depression. So start us off, Nick, what exactly is Zoranolone and why is it important? Let me answer the second half of that question first of why this medication is important. No, we know that postpartum perinatal mental health conditions are some of the leading causes of preventable maternal mortality. Um, We talked about this in our prior episodes on postpartum depression, but... PPD affects about 14% of women, so it's a very, very common condition in the postpartum period. And so understanding, discussing, and recommending medication and treatment can potentially decrease maternal morbidity and mortality during that postpartum period. Now, Zoranolone itself is a neuroactive steroid gamma-aminobutyric acid A, or GABA, receptor positive modulator. Um, It's an oral medication, and it has very recent FDA approval for use in postpartum depression. So again, this practice advisory from ACOG came out in August of 2023 to discuss it being on the market. So, I mean, that was a lot of really fancy talk, Faye. We're talking about GABA receptors and things I I don't think about on a daily basis. Um, But no, what makes this so nice, or why is it recommended, I guess? Yeah, so there have been two phase three randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, multi-center studies for this medication. The primary endpoint in both of these studies was change in depressive symptoms on the Hamilton Depression Rating Scale, or the HAMD-17, which is a 17-point scale and it assesses things like the somatic, affective, cognitive, and behavioral symptoms of depression. Uh, this is a reliable and valid method of assessing and measuring depression. And in both studies, those that were on Zoranolone showed significantly more improvement in their symptoms compared those to those that were on placebo. And the treatment effect... Uh, was maintained at day 42 or four weeks after the last dose of the medication. Uh, 
So why exactly are we using this Hamilton depression rating scale, Nick? Because I feel like, you know, we don't really use that as clinicians, right? So this uh, scale is actually more used in the research setting, but uh, it's anticipated that other validated tools, things like the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Scale or the PHQ-9 will be used in clinical settings. And potentially that these changes that we see um, on the specific Hamilton depression rating scale are going to translate to those tools that are used in a more clinical setting. It's also important to discuss what else is out there. So, you know, um, we pro- you probably have heard of, of the medication Brixanolone, and this was the first FDA-approved medication specifically for postpartum depression. This came out uh, sometime, you know, a few years ago. I remember being in residency, actually, when this first came out. Um, but unlike Zoranolone, which is an oral medication, Brixanolone consists of a 60-hour in-hospital IV infusion, and that may not be readily accessible or convenient for a lot of people because it can, one, be really difficult to arrange an inpatient admission simply just for this medication. And then also it's difficult for patients to leave their newborns for 60 hours to get an infusion, potentially longer. And then, of course, the other things to think about are SSRIs, um, but these are not specific for postpartum or perinatal depression. And while they can be effective, um, it may also be difficult to find the correct SSRI for your patient. Oftentimes, we hear about patients who have to try multiple doses or multiple types of SSRIs. Um, and again, many of these SSRIs, you kind of have to start them on a lower dose that may not be effective to try and minimize side effects and then titrate them up. And this could potentially take many, many weeks. All right, so knowing that then, Nick, what are some of the things to consider when we're prescribing Zoranolone? And then how do we actually prescribe or tell our patients to take it? Yeah, so we all should be considering Zoranolone in that postpartum period. So within 12 months, so the first year postpartum, for depression that onsets in the third trimester or within four weeks of delivery. Again, the the benefits from Zoranolone with the trials that you mentioned earlier, Faye, are that it significantly improves and rapidly helps to resolve symptoms. There certainly are risks to Zoranolone. Similar to other antidepressants, there's the potential for activation earlier than resolution of the depressive symptoms. So the potential for suicidal thoughts or behavior to kind of take hold. Um, It can be sedating for some patients, so it can make it that they don't recommend that you drive potentially um, if it's so sedating on you. And then there isn't much efficacy data beyond 42 two days. So again, we're still waiting to kind of see how that evolves, but the initial data is promising. In terms of prescribing, um, I have to say, Faye, this is a little bit of a finicky medication compared to many other things that we prescribe. Um, You know, the daily recommended dose is easy enough to remember, 50 milligrams, but it's recommended that this is taken in the evening with a fatty meal, and specifically a meal that is about 400 to 1,000 calories, and by fatty meaning 25 to 50% fat content. Um, And then this is going to be taken for 14 days. Now, if there's CNS depression, sort of that sedation type of effects, the dose could be reduced to 40 milligrams. And if somebody has hepatic or renal impairments from a metabolism perspective, um, the recommended starting dose is at 30 milligrams. This can be used alone or as an adjunct to other antidepressant therapies like SSRIs. So again, if somebody's already on an SSRI, this isn't a contraindication to using this medication as well. Um, what are some of the other things that we have to think about, Faye, in terms of effective prescribing of Zoranolone? 
Yeah, so one of the recommendations is to have effective contraception during treatment and for one week after the final dose. There is a registry if pregnancy does occur within this time period, um, but really, you know, right now it's not known exactly what effect uh, Zoranolone could have on a potentially developing pregnancy, and so that is why. We should also warn patients about the adverse reactions. So again, we can have that sedation, which can lead to impaired ability to drive or operate heavy machinery. There can be central nervous system depressant effects um, and also potentially increased suicidal thoughts and behaviors. The zoranolone does pass into the breast milk, but the relative infant dose is smaller than that of SSRIs, so it is still okay to breastfeed while taking this medication, but again, it's just something to kind of let your patients know about. And then the very last thing that I just wanted to kind of mention um, as a new parent myself is that you know, this very specific thing of taking it in the evening with a fatty meal, um, specifically if you are four weeks postpartum, I can kind of tell you right now that it's very difficult to time things so that you're actually eating a fatty meal that is 400 to 1,000 calories at one sitting. Um, so certainly it could be very inconvenient for your patient to be able to take this medication. So I think that brings us to the end of this espresso episode, Nick. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed this podcast today, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media on Twitter or X at Creogs Over Coffee 1, on Facebook and Instagram at Creogs Over Coffee. And if you want to support the show, you can go ahead onto our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Coffee. You can find show notes for this as well as all of our previous episodes on our website, creogsovercoffee.com. And if you have questions, if you have suggestions for an episode or just want to say hi, go ahead and email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com.